Welcome to another episode of Let's Connect. It's Keith McPherson here, and I'm so glad that you've decided to join me for this next podcast. Today on the podcast, I speak with a new friend of mine, Sophia Dove. She's an author, a poet, a nurse, and a healer. She speaks a lot on this podcast all about her experiences with her patients, especially those that have been confronting death and have gone through the dying process. In our conversations, I was so inspired and uplifted by what it can actually mean to die to ourselves, even while we're alive. It was really, really interesting. Now, you might be sitting here going, I don't want to hear about death. That freaks me out, right? It's so morbid. But in fact, uh, the conversation today with Sophia changed my perspective on this and made me think about it in a whole new way. So I'm really, really excited to share this with you. Before we get into this conversation with Sophia, I wanted to just share a couple highlights from the week that happened. Um, Yesterday, I was at a school, Linden Meadows School in Winnipeg, and I spent the morning teaching the songwriting process with a group of grade seven and eight students. And it was so inspiring. It brought me right back to the seventh grade. Um, Some of you know the story about how I first got into music. I was failing French class in grade seven and made a deal with my teacher to get my grade up. I would do an extra project in French. So I went home and learned guitar and, long story short, ended up translating an old Bob Dylan song into French. Uh, Blowing in the Wind became Souffle dans le vent. And I recorded that on a cassette tape, which is going to totally date me. Handed in the project and got an A-plus on the assignment, which got my overall grade up to a D-. And my teacher asked me if I'd sing that song in front of the school. Uh, I ended up playing the song in front of the school and realized how powerful music really is. So it was kind of uh, disturbing to me to hear that a lot of schools have phased out their music program over the years because they can't afford it. Um, I just have to give kudos to this incredible school that realized that the arts and education are just so important. I mean, we're so science-driven and we're so math-driven in our curriculum, but the arts just has a whole other perspective that I think kids need to be exposed to. So yesterday, I uh, spent the morning writing with these kids, and we wrote an entire song from uh, beginning to end, and it was quite an amazing process. I was so intrigued by uh, the imagination of these kids. We did something called a free write to kind of just get us started, and for five minutes, we all just let our pens madly write whatever was in our mind, and out of that, some themes emerged. Um, I picked up my guitar, and we just started kind of humming some melodies, And before long, lyrics were coming and we had a whiteboard out and some kids were writing the lyrics down and and it was just such a fun experience to be part of. So I just wanted to let you know that because for me, that was like the highlight of my week. So as we get into this episode with Sophia and the conversation, I just want to invite you to open your mind to all possibility. One of my favorite quotes that I have up on the wall at home says, have a mind that's open to everything and attached to nothing. I think going into this with that perspective is going to be very, very helpful. And without further ado, open your mind and get ready to take in the wisdom of Sophia Dove. All right. I am so excited for our next guest here on the podcast. Um, We have Sophia Dove here, who I encountered a few months ago at a, a speaking event that I was at called Mo Mondays. And she absolutely blew my mind. Um, after the performance that I was giving and talking, she came up and, and we started talking about her experience. And 
I was just blown away with all the synchronicities and synergies of this woman. And I've come to find out that she's also written this amazing book called Unexpected Gifts, and it's this beautiful book of poetry. And I couldn't be more happy to have her here today to, to speak with us and share some of her story with everybody listening. So, Sophia, thanks for being here on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, you are <laughs> one inspiring woman. It seems like anything that you think about starts happening in your life. It sure does. I have to be careful what I wish for. Remember that that teaching we all received years ago? Yes. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Mm, there yeah. is a profound power behind these words. Has it always been like that for you? Or how did you discover that anything you think about starts showing up in your life? I think I had this... Um, I had some awareness, or at least I know that it was happening now when I look back into my life. Uh, when I was a small girl, and especially when I was a teenager, I remember vividly walking um, down the street with my friend from after his classes in high school. And we were coming to a junction of the street. The street we were walking on was splitting. And there was a building, um, new apartment block. This is in East European Poland, which was facing us. It was at the intersection, and um, I would point out to that building, and I would say to my girlfriend, if I could choose any building I would wish to live in the city, and that would be the building. I want to live there one day, and I actually did two years later. Wow. And and um, the wow is that much bigger, because in the reality of that East European block, young couple, when people were uh, getting married and they were looking for their own space, they waited 10, 12 years, 8 years on the waiting list to get their own apartment. So for me to move into that place when my husband was still serving in the army, and I, we were married already, but it was like we knew we'll be there before even before wedding. We knew already we'll be living there. Wow. It, it like That's how impossible became possible that's incredible and i mean this this pattern has from what i understand has traveled with you throughout your whole life i mean this is a way that you seem to operate in the world is it almost feels like a symbolic level of thinking about things and then symbolically they show up and then literally they show up yes yeah you know it's uh, i think we become i became very aware of these of these abilities and this how life operates like this and at times when my logical mind couldn't plan my life. So one of the chapters in my life when I saw it working, that, that something life, how powerful life is and our wishes become realities, when I came to Canada, I couldn't speak lang the language and I was telling everybody that my biggest wish is to work in the hospital again by the bedside of a patient. How could you? You need to communicate, right? Yeah. Everyone was telling me that, I'm, um, that it's impossible. Uh, in my first job in a nursing hall, no, in a sewing factory, all the women around me, which were also Polish immigrants, were telling me that's the end of my dreams in Canada. So um, no one really believed in it. And yet I kept repeating it. And within a year and a half, I was hired by St. Bonavis Hospital and I found myself at the bedside of a patient. An interesting part was that two of my mornings that I was working in that hospital were actually on psychiatric ward. Wow. 23 years later, I found myself reading my poetry to the patients on that very floor. Right. Well, the work that you've been doing in the hospitals um, blows my mind. I'd love for you to share a little bit about some of the experiences there and what you do. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. Well, today I am retired as of last July because it started coming to a place when fascinating things were happening around me. My patients would tell me for for many years, but I think I wasn't paying attention, that the moment I walk into the room, they feel better. So at some point in my journey, I started asking myself, what is it about me that they 
describe it. What is it? What What is it that I'm doing? Because I'm not even knowing that and I'm doing something. What right? is it? <laughs> what is it? What is it? But then when I became aware of it, when I started meditating, when I started becoming very aware how my thoughts put out energy and how it's creative energy, then when I was going with certain intention to work, fascinating things were happening. One of the most amazing situation was I was working with a patient who, uh, as a complication after heart surgery, had paralyzed left side of his body. And he was uh, a person of great faith. You would say the person was religious, but there was a faith in a power, God, if you will, which is unlimited, that there is no limits to that God. So there was openness in the person to receive, if you will. Wow. And um, I was, because I was in physiotherapy, I was moving the person's leg, the paralyzed one. The wife was sitting by his side. And um, as I was moving his leg, I, you know, after all these years of working in physiotherapy, I became very attuned with the signals from human body. There's more to communication than our five sensory. Um, but uh, nevertheless, I told him that I can feel individual um, muscle fibers firing. Like I can feel this, there is some kind of electric impulse there. You know, and I said to him, I have a sense it'll be coming back. Um, but it was suddenly that he told us, oh my goodness, I had this bolt of energy going up my spine. And I thought to myself, God, what's happening now? Because every time I would go to work and I would open myself up and I would meditate and I would ask to be tool of love, whatever the power that ticks our heart is. Um, and I would myself available, s certain situations were taking place. So, wow. So this man says, uh, in the presence of his wife, and, my pr and then he says instantaneously, he goes, oh my goodness, now my head hurts, and he touched his head. And his wife, sitting by his side, says, honey, you just lifted your paralyzed hand, and you're holding your head with it. I never seen such a thing before in my life, never in my presence. And I knew it had something to do with the energy that I am plugged into, if you will. Yeah, well, it, can you speak a bit about that? So it took about two months later that I came across listening to um, um, Eastern Mystic, and I realized that through the process of my own meditation, I um, activated energy centers within me, and that they are called that there is Kundalini energy, which is sitting dormant at the at the bottom of our spine, and through meditation, when we live life certain way it rises up to the higher levels of, um, of our physicality, but it also, um, there, is a, there is a place um, between the highest center within our body and the next center, which is outside of our body, above us. If you reach that gap, and it is, um, it is quite the experience, I think it would be described as going through the ultimate gates of death. Because the logical mind, the ego, is claiming that it is the source of life and what it is perceiving, it's it. Uh -huh. um, but when you reach the next level, you become, uh, have your identity shifts into that which you are, which is residing in the body. Therefore, your primary identity as to I am the physical Sophia is uh, secondary. And that's what patients experience when they come close to death, physical death, because suddenly the identity to I am the, the body is crumbling down, right? It's fading away, it's dying. Right. And many patients shift and they acquire, I, they become primary that awareness, higher self, uh, the identity shifts into that. It goes beyond 
the limitations of the mind, wow. which is continually claiming this is who I am. Wow. So what I'm understanding is you're speaking about this, and I'm sure some listeners going, listening to this are going, what the heck is she talking about? <laughs> but but to, to paraphrase this, I'm hearing you really reference what Pierre Tellier talked about, this idea that we're, we're spiritual beings yes. having a temporary human experience. Yes. See, I never knew um, about it. I never knew it's possible. I, like I said, my journey, as everybody's, I'm sure it's in a constant evolving and, and the journey is unfolding gradually and every one of us journeys different way, but this is the ultimate, uh, what we meant to be aware of and state we're supposed to operate from. And it is that we are primarily that life force residing within the body, as if we are the drivers within the cars we are driving. Mm. But because the mind, the ego, claims its primary identity, we are operating from five sensory. So, and because our because our senses are very limited, right? They are. We all know it. And if we don't, well, <laughs> none of us can hear radio waves right now. And yet, if we have apparatus which is catching that frequency and transfers it into different frequency within which our ear works, then we are able to hear the radio waves. So, for us to say that all that exists is physical, because that's what our uh, senses detect, is ludicrous, because right in a moment, moment ago, I, I, I proved to us that we can't hear radio waves which are around us. Right. Right? There's way more to existence than just the physical wow. that our senses perceive. So as <laughs> I'm going through my typical day, and most people, I mean, it's, I find it such a challenge to tap into that that ethereal place, that radio wave frequency of the higher self. So many of us are so attached to the five senses and our mm -hmm. physical body, I, I, I find. I don't know if you find. And I get a sense from you that there's a part of you that really um, it lives connected to the higher self. How do you tap into that? How do I? I, I know that it is that I tap into it, you know, meditation would be one thing. We, we all, pra I practice this and many people do these days. And that's how I ultimately uh, tapped into that state. And I'm not always in the highest uh, awareness of being in that space. It takes practice. It takes practice like brushing your teeth every day. And if I don't practice, then I am not as aware, not as attuned with uh. the life wave, if you will. But what helps me is gratitude when i start thinking is it either in words or thoughts or in my journal when i write thank you and i write thank you not just for the beautiful things in my life but i also write thank you for the challenging things in my life because by now i know that my mind and the way i interpret situations is very limited yes. so therefore there must be another angle to this but i don't see it yet and there must be solution to it but i don't see it yet so I also say thank you for that, which is challenging, you know, um, whatever it is. And I don't want to name it because my family members come to <laughs> Okay, well, you don't have to get into the, the no, details no. of but that. But nevertheless, yes. um, so this is one of the things, gratitude. Yeah. Uh, another Huge. thing is beauty of the, of the uh, nature beauty of the nature so if you want to it doesn't have to be meditation if you literally take a moment if you wake up in the morning and you watch the sunrise or if you watch the birds how they or butterflies whatever it is nature the beauty of the nature because that power that resides within our hearts and makes our heart beat and makes us alive 
it's the very same force that is in all that is alive. Mm. That's the part that that blows my mind is when I am in nature and you know I can see the physical bird on the tree or I can see the tree itself, but it's like the force that's behind it. That's right. That that's connecting everything together gives me a sense of that higher self. Yes. It gives me a sense of that place mm-hmm. that you're referencing here. And just back to the hospital, like when you tap into that or when you tap into that energy, I get the sense that healing takes place. Absolutely, because, well, there is so many people right now, people would call them healers, teachers, people who are very attuned with that force. Well, I would consider you one. Thank you. Um, and when you are in in connection with that never-ending source think of it this very source this very power turns this globe around yes right so when you are plugged into that force if you will then when it comes through you it's unlimited and it does to the person around you or in front of you things which you physically mentally um, in your limitation of knowledge could never perform yes but the person in front of you needs to be open. And all it takes is to say, I am open and receiving. Show me clearly. Mm. And then then there are such an alignment of situations or circumstances which will get your attention. And you will go, I couldn't organize it. I couldn't plan it this way. How did it become? Right. And that's when you realize the higher force um, life is greater. And it's working for you, not against you. You know, going back to that patient, um, so his wife noticed that uh, he's holding hand, and I have to tell you, this leg and arm is to- was totally flaccid, meaning this man couldn't move the smallest finger. There was nothing there. And uh, when he is holding his hand, I came between them, s- pulled my chair between them, uh, held her hand, the wife's hand, and the man's hand, and I felt stream of electricity going through us as if I was connecting the two of them physically felt that physically I literally felt tingling um, the electricity if you will coming through it wasn't my first and only situation with my patients but it was the most instantaneous healing that I was witnessing and being part of Mm. it took me about two months later two months later I came across explanation as to what happened in that room what happened to that man I realized that that Kundalini energy which is sitting dormant at the bottom of our spines became became activated that that energy that flew through me into that person instantaneously activated that energy hence he had this bolt of energy feeling like um, in up his spine because that's where the energy travels up that's where the energy centers are located along our spine wow well and as you're saying this tingling energy like could this be the equivalent to those moments i don't know if you get this where you get that kind of chill down the yes spine. yes it almost feels like rain falling yes. down your body the truth the truth is being said in yes. that moment and because the truth is being said you're feeling that energy of people say goosebumps or I get shivers or see I I even been in the situations when my intention is to serve um, and affect people a certain way and it's all in a positive intention if you will of service to another I've been in the situations when I was on the stage and speaking and people would come to me from the floor after my the audience members if you will and would tell me how they experience even when I spoke the words, how they affected physically the person and they would feel that energy. Wow. 
but it's always when I'm in a place of service because the moment my ego starts going, look at you, Sophia, you are so special, you know, you are unlike anyone else, All, everything slows down when I don't stay in a place of gratitude, when I allow myself to go into lower frequencies, anger, jealousy, uh, you know, these are frequency, fear, these are all frequencies which are lower, lower vibration. So it has to be, my goodness, the world is beautiful. I am so thankful. Look at this, I can take another step. And because I worked in a hospital and I've seen people literally being bolted to the hospital walls, unable to take a breath on their own, unable to take a step on their own, I would always leave that place being uh, inspired and grateful for what I had. Look at me, I can go down the elevator and I can... I can turn whichever way I want to. I can go this way and that way. I can scratch my own nose, you know. Yeah. I can the simple I can, gratitude. The simple things, you know, which people um, didn't have. Right. So, and then I would never. Um, my intention was never bring to my patients negative energy of mine and negative thoughts of mine. Speaking of mindfulness, then I became very mindful as to. Um, because they were telling me they feel good, right, when I walk in. So what is it within me? And I started realizing I was able to, and I intentionally would leave my worries outside of the hospital, and I would walk in with the intention, now I am in place of service. So here's, I have a question about this, because I totally couldn't agree more with you on what you're saying. It's just, you're totally right. And, and so much is racing through my head as you're talking, like we're responsible for how we show up, and we we have this direct effect on the environment around us and the people around us. And we have this opportunity to tap into those chills down the spine. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I know there's people listening right now that would say, well, that's all really nice, but it is so challenging for me to stay in that place of gratitude because sometimes, you know, I don't want to force my way into, oh, everything's great when actually, let's face it, life is so challenging right now. And, and those types of people that are listening, have a really hard time tapping into gratitude. And I, I'm sure that you go through this, I go through this, where those moments that are struggle, where it's really hard to, to tap in. What do you suggest? Well, I've been through the ultimate storm of my life. And this, ironically, it was in that space when my logic and my choices, um, I couldn't, I didn't know what else to do. I, wow. I couldn't control my life. I couldn't organize it anymore. Everything, everything around me was falling apart on all different levels. My best friend, best friend was dying to cancer. My marriage of 25 years was falling apart. Um, that was very much so challenging my belief systems. I was raised as a Roman Catholic. We were supposed to be together till death do us part. Oh. Um, uh, financial problems were piling up to the point we were going through bankruptcy. I was unable to, f I had no food for my children the next morning. I had four children. I became a single mother of four. I was working three jobs, seven days a week. So you've been through the grind. Yes. On a lot but, of levels. But <laughs> it was in that space, ironically, where I couldn't plan my life far ahead that I started paying attention to this very moment. You know, we had people calling from left and right because, well, financial problems. If you're going to bankruptcy, everyone is calling you once your money and you yeah. don't have the money, right? Yes. So um, what I started paying attention to, what can I do in the moment? What can I do right now? This is all I can take care of because I can't be going into how I'm going to take care of all these problems. It's right. just overwhelming too much. So I started doing the best I knew in this moment. And as I started paying attention to this moment, um, I it's it started taking me out of that 
big picture, overwhelming picture. And beside, beside the outside world crumbling down, I had full-blown anxiety. I had an ability to swallow. I had uh, palpitations in my heart. I had knocking in my ear. I had numbing of the left arm. I was certain that I'm going through heart attack. Um, wow. You know, going through divorce, I remember just talking to my lawyer. I had to lie down because I was so overwhelmed with what was happening in my Jeez. life. <laughs> there were many moments when I had to push through um, fear that my mind created. Are you nuts? You're going to that workshop or you are going to this therapy class and you know you are nuts this is the north american craze you know this is this is the devilish thing because <laughs> i was raised that way you know like yeah so there were many moments when my my mind which is meant to protect my physical was creating the fear you know unreasonable fear but i had to push through it but in the moment so what could i do in the moment and i started learning to pay attention to that which was for free. So I would sit at the uh, sunrise and I would watch the beauty of the sun ray, you know, and I noticed amazing things which I never had a chance to see before because I was running, running, running. But for whatever reason, I needed to sit in that stillness and the beauty of the nature. And then I started receiving signals, if you will. I spoke about it in my recent presentation at Winter Club about how nature sends us messages because it's one unified force, if you will, that we are part of. So once you start paying attention to it, it will, it will give you signals, it will guide you. So it was not just people and their words. For me, my biggest guides were my dying patients. Right. You know, when I had questions and because I was working with them, um, the, the messages were coming through them onto me. And it wasn't as someone saying, oh, I have this message for you. You know, none of this. In a conversation, they would say something and I would learn that when I walk away from a presence of another, there is some thought or, or words that the person said that stay with me. And I started realizing this is exactly what I needed to hear. It's like they gave me these messages. And make no mistake, it's happening in our lives all the time. It's just that we are not paying attention. Right. I'm hearing, as you're speaking, how powerful the present moment is. And, oh. and that's, that's where the magic is going to happen and the shift is going to happen. And yes. it's, it's amazing hearing your story that life will do whatever it can to wake you back up to the present moment. And those moments of struggle are the moments where it's like, come on, pay attention, get back into the present and connect yes. and with nature, with gratitude, because that's really when the healing starts mm -hmm. happening too and the awareness and the chills yes. down the spine. That's right. You know, for me, um, when I was going through the ultimate moments of... Um, of fear and anxiety. Um, and it was again through books that you would think I came across accidentally. And we talked about Wayne Dyer and, and how I came across his book, you would think accidentally, <laughs> and started meditating because of his message. But one of the simplest thing in the moments when everything, when my mind was overwhelmed, when, when it was playing craze and my body was reacting to it and showing all the symptoms, as simple as uh, lying down and just paying attention to my breath. You know, that's, that was the moment that I had to pay attention to. That's all that I could do in that moment. Wow. But gradually the symptoms, and I have to tell you, I took none antidepressant. I never went to the doctor. It was constantly calling on that higher power or paying attention to the beauty of the nature, um, intentionally sitting, like I mentioned, at sunrises or, or staring at the beauty of a flower. Or I did things which are 
priceless, meaning no one can give, no one needs to be charging you for that. I would literally on a drizzly day, for example, open my sunroof and I would put my face up and I would literally feel the drizzle uh, droplets coming and tingling my face. Oh, wow. Something that I would never do before. I never had time for it. You know, just uh, the ancient Hawaiian culture uh-huh. talks about rain, like that gentle rain you're talking yes. about, as a blessing from the higher you're, self. You're giving me goosebumps now. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that, that's what they believe in. I totally, it's like that gentle rain that comes in and yes. blesses us all and mm-hmm. connects us back to the healing. Wow, yeah. Yeah, I still have that shiver. Uh, yeah, it's here right <laughs> or now. Or I would, um, I would stop somewhere and I would literally feel the breeze going on my face, like literally experiencing this is being in the moment. You don't have to be sitting for hours meditating and, and acquiring peacefulness of the mind. But when your attention is turned on the beauty and the magic of life, then the more you pay attention to it, the more logic, ma- magic shows up in your life. Oh, man, <laughs> this is like such an amazing, important reminder. I feel like we can't get enough of these kind of reminders to, to tune back in because we know this essentially and inherently, mm-hmm. but we forget. And it's like the coming yeah. back to it. I'm looking at the picture on your wall, which is showing um, a foggy morning, right? Yeah, with the canoe yeah, and the and lake. Yeah, so again, um, because I was working at St. Boniface Hospital, one of the three hospitals I worked at, um, I would intentionally wake up earlier or between that time when I was three jobs, seven days a week, I was delivering free presents in the morning and I would um, and I would intentionally go to the forks. I would find cut out that time for myself, being single mother of four, I would still find the time and I would sit at the bank of the river when the forks was empty and just sitting there in the peacefulness of the morning. And that was that was healing me, that was, that was soothing me, that was giving me energy. And I was coming uh, into the presence of my patients with different awareness. There was another thing that I did. Many people would say, you're always happy. Like my patients would say, you're always happy, you're always smiling. And I would say to them, you know, it's actually a choice. And I, we know like there is so many different uh, researches being and done. Like I know there is a speaker on TED, uh, main stage who is speaking about how uh, it's not the mind that affects the body but the body affects the mind mm-hmm. so I would put a fake smile on my face on the days <laughs> when I didn't feel like smiling I literally would and guess what happens when you walk with that fake smile the people around you return that fake smile with a real one wow. and before they they didn't even had the awareness to it my fake smile would turn into real one I love it that's like our physiology. I mean, yes. I always give the cue when I'm teaching yoga, lift the corners of your lips. That's and right. Most people in the yoga class, they don't do it because they're, they're just so serious and they're caught up in their thinking and they're, mm-hmm. am I doing this right? But I notice as soon as you lift the corners of your lips, even if you don't yes. feel like it, yeah. it's just this inherent connection, right? Yes. And everybody around you, like you say, starts yeah. joyfully celebrating. And then, um, then I also <laughs> made the point of um, finding people who were um, also on the journey of um, positive and wanting positive changes in life. So I don't know even how, but I end up uh, joining Toastmasters. And for those who don't know what Toastmasters is, most people think it's about public speaking. It's about way more than that, mm. way more. It's a journey of self-discovery about both your strengths and weaknesses. And once you, it becomes your, your own awareness, because the world can tell you you need to fix this and that, and you can easily dismiss it. But once you discovered it, now you have awareness, right, to what's, how, how you're operating. 
So I joined Toastmasters, and it's um it's a system um, program, if you will, which is very positive. It's mm. it's structured that people meant to and learn how to express themselves positively. So not even when you're given points of improvement as to where is your weakness, even that feedback, it's meant to be expressed in a very positive way. Right. So it's a positive environment. And it was very hard for me, for a woman who was raised that the mother is giving to the family everything, which brought me to the self-exhaustion, of course, um, it was very hard for me because there was part of my brain which was saying, "Don't shouldn't you be staying home? Shouldn't you be looking after them? Shouldn't da 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 da?" And yet I would intentionally find the time and make it my priority for me that I would go to that environment and that's where I would further learn about myself and grow in a positive, structured environment. Wow. Yeah, I can't stress enough as you're speaking about that, the importance of being around the positive environment and tapping mm -hmm. into communities like Toastmasters or any of mm -hmm. these, like, you know, whether it's a yoga studio or a church environment or just to, to be around people that can support you in that positive way yes. too. Yeah. I also went uh, in, the, actually it was in the darkest time of my life, I went for a laughing yoga. I oh, remember how was that? <laughs> laughing <laughs> yoga. I remember great. actually playing with my children in the snow and winter and I rolled on my back and it was a moment when I was supposed to laugh and I opened my mouth and nothing came out and I went, oh my goodness, I can't <laughs> even laugh. What's happening? Like it got my attention. So a series of events, if you will, but eventually I was invited to by someone to laughing yoga and I remember driving there going, I have nothing. I have nothing <laughs> to laugh about in my life. What the heck am I doing? Yes. And it was through the activities in that session that I came out of there. Actually, it was during that session, at the end of the session, that I started laughing. And all the women around me started laughing because it, it spread like a wildfire. And I came home. I remember my oldest son with his girlfriend was sitting on the couch. And my daughter-in-law said, now my daughter-in-law, she said to me, the energy around you is unbelievable. And then I realized that I am actually a humorous person, that my patients always tell me, you are funny, you are da-da-da-da-da. So now I, was, I became aware how powerful laughter is. And well, one of the things that I teach about and I speak on is the power of laughter at the bedside of a dying patient. Have you had that experience? Oh, absolutely. My patients would engage with me to the last moments of their lives. As, as long as they were... Um, all with it, if you will. like, they were not in coma. But they would re they would respond. Like I remember have, walking into patients' room on intensive care unit, and I I became known in the hospital for whistling. I I love whistling. It really uplifts my spirit. <laughs> it's just talking about it makes me want to <laughs> laugh. I love because, it because yeah. because I was told when I was a small girl that Holy Mary is crying when you whistle. Oh, so that's funny. I think it, finally after all these years, I realized that it was all balloons, <laughs> and I started whistling, and then you would see this woman high heels. <laughs> suit and walking through the streets and walk whistling but I started doing this in the hospital as well wow so my patients would say I knew you coming because I heard you whistling oh that's hilarious but that day I walked into my patient's room and I forgot not to because I wouldn't do it in a patient's room that's the space right but I was still whistling and he had tubes everywhere like I mean he was on the respirator he had a tube going into feeding tube I mean tubes everywhere let's not describe the mm -hmm. details and uh, I walked into his room and I said to him, I'm sorry, I, I whistle these days. It gives me such a joy, you know, like I, I love whistling. And I said, do you do something crazy? And he nodded his head and I said, what do you do? He wiggled his ears. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and this man is close to death. Uh, this man died about two, three weeks later. Wow. What uh, have you learned about dying? Oh, you know, 
the things that my patients testify to me, and um, not just those who were at the gate of departure, but those who experienced near-death experiences and came back, um, death is like leaving the old garment behind, which is uh, not really suitable for wearing anymore. It has holes, it's worn out, you know, it's outdated and you slip out of it. That's the experience they have um, being outside of the body. Wow. Um, in the process of death, uh, there are all um, various emotions that people go through, and not everybody through the same um, sequence of emotions, if you will. But um, I've, I've heard and I've seen people, and hence I practice joy, because you see, joy, peace, and this ultimate state of love, it's who we are, but it's our mind who creates all the stories and interpretations of re of the reality or situations that is um, disconnecting us from that state. But when we really deeply in that, when you're connected to it, when, when your primary identity is that core, you know, which animates the body, then many people are in that state. Uh, my friend's mother was passing away to cancer and she was in such a state of joy and grace and love. She was calling on everybody. She was uh, expressing appreciation for uh, what they did for her by showing up in her life, even if it was just momentarily, if it was just someone who walked into her room, nurse's aide or someone. He would make, she would make the point of stopping everybody in the way and, and appreciating them and thanking them and blessing them. And there was so much laughter in her room <laughs> that it was actually my friend Dominic who recently said, my mother said to us once, for once they said the nurses thought we were smuggling booze and we were drinking there. Uh -huh. <laughs> because oh. it was like a party room. Wow. A woman is dying to cancer. Celebration of... Yes, every moment. Every Celebration moment. of every moment. But then she said, thank goodness I'm dying, otherwise they would kick us out of here. <laughs> so That's this is possible. And it is when people are... Um, when they practice of being in tune with the higher self or the awareness of, of however you call it, when, when they believe that there is life is be beyond the physical, you know, yeah. they can rather than being engulfed in fear, uh, despair, regret, anger, you know, that majority people, uh, majority people experience. And I think they experience this because throughout their lives, uh, they didn't practice, they didn't become aware, even for a split of a second. And I, ironically, majority people reach that space, that connection to the higher self, um, very late, just at the gate of departing from the physical. Right. And in that sense, the whole life was not fully lived, right? Wow. Can I ask this? What, mm -hmm. Just in your um, experience and belief system, why then do we even show up here if we are not going to be in this body forever? I think we, we come to learn lessons, lessons, and I think they all go to love. At the end, um, I think we, I experienced that state, so I know it's a state of unity and bliss. Um, it's the mind that, um, that is needed for the physical um, for survival, because that's what it, it's working, the five senses are for that. But we are here to experience, um, to learn lessons and reach that state of unity. Wow. It's the mind that, it's the ego that is comparing and dividing us. And, and even that what we're perceiving as good and bad, right and wrong, 
uh, darkness and light. It's all needed, and it's all, it's all love. It's love and love and life is in all of this. Think of it: how many creatures are waking up at night for the night, and that's the time when they exist. Right. So f for us to tell them, well, you are living in the darkness. Well, that's the time when they are fully living. Yeah, so for absolutely. them, darkness would be the ultimate space of being, right? Right. And how would we have beautiful flowers unless they were growing on the dirt? Right. There's all right. these and pieces how would it, that are needed. That's right. And how would it be if we had always sunshine? Everything would be burnt out. We need clouds and we need rain. So everything has its purpose. But the limitation of the mind and its... The mind, we know it. There is science behind it. We receive so many impulses of information, bits, tidbits of information. Uh, and the logical mind, the mind that we are aware of, is making sense out of just sliver of that information. You know, when patients come to the hospital, when they enter that space of illogical life chapter because it's out of their control, right? It's, it's the storm of life. So they, they're not planning where they're going next, what people do to them. They're not in the environment. What they're eating is not what it's, uh, they preference. Everything is out of their control. What happens to them, they shift out of the left linear uh, from A to B to C yes. sequence, like left side of the brain, yeah. and they shift into right side of the brain. And you, would, you wouldn't believe what the patients shared with me. They are as attuned, once you shift to the right side of the brain and you're being aware of more versus just the linear, they are so attuned with the caregivers as they know our intentions. They know our inner states, the energy level we bring. If we are frustrated, if we are angry, Probably if we no are impatient. no words need to be spoken. No words need to be spoken. Yeah. I actually have a friend who... I will not give his title because that might give to a way of his identity. But he was in coma. And he, this is a person who taught at university, okay? Um, and it's highly educated person. He was in coma because of his um, condition. And as he was in coma, the doctor who was attending to him walked into his room with an intern. And the young uh, doctor said to the leading one, how long do you think this guy wants to stay intubated? My friend was fully aware of that conversation when he was in coma. He took offense to it. He was able to recognize that young man as he was in coma and the, the interaction and the presence of these two men in his room was taking place. He took it so offensively because he recognized this young man as be used to being his student. Wow. So unconsciously, we are so attuned that it, words don't need to be spoken. And it, no. And as you're saying this, no. what really is blowing my mind is just how important it is to stay connected to the, to the spirit, to the eternal part of who we are. Yes. But, and when you, when you are, then you become aware as to the story that your mind makes. And you are aware that this is just partial. Absolutely. You know, that my perspective, we were talking today earlier, how when I sat after my father passing in his chair in my mother's kitchen, and she was speaking to me, and I, I said his phrase that he used to say to her, and suddenly I had perspective onto my mother I never had before. Right. Up to that point, she couldn't do wrong, he couldn't do right. And in that moment, I realized the challenges he had in that relationship. But ever since I was a small girl, I adopted to one way of seeing that relationship and the behavior interpretation right. of their behavior. And it was in that moment when that limited 
perspective shifted and I realized that I was so wrong and, and there was way more to that relationship they had than how I perceived it. So when you become experiencing these situations, you realize, you start questioning your own perception. You go, oh, maybe the way I see it, it's not just the way, right? Because all these people in the room seeing it through different angles. And who says that my way is the only right way? Absolutely. And something that you said earlier that I just keep coming back to is this place of, it all is leading us back to this practice of, of love. And I am blown away with this work that I'm holding in my hands. Uh, it's called Unexpected Gifts, and you're, you are an unexpected gift in my life. I mean, you're I am so grateful that you showed up at the perfect time, and you're here Thank to share, and this, um, this book full of poetry, I can only imagine this must have been inspired from the, the greater spirit. It started actually at the bedside of a patient. She gave me an article to read about the power of, um, of uh, hugs in our lives, how they ever present in in a time of sorrow and, and celebration. And I finished reading it and I said, oh my goodness, my thoughts in my head gather an odd way. I said to her, I am inspired and I'm shocked I'm using this word. And it was from that moment on, two days later, I actually started writing poetry. Wow. I couldn't care less about poetry my entire life. And if you told me then that I will be a poet one day, I would tell you to check yourself. And now you're <laughs> a poet. <laughs> I am a poet. Uh, I think uh, the form we were, uh, I mentioned earlier, perhaps poetry because the experiences that I had um, are beyond five sensory and the logic. And I think the language of poetry allows us to express um, something that is beyond the limitation of the mind and the language, the written or the spoken language. Mm. And it bridges us on a deeper, it speaks to us on a deeper level. That's what poetry is capable of doing. It's like music, it's universal language. Wow. Because every person takes out of it something different. I couldn't agree more with that. Mm -hmm. Would you, to conclude our podcast, share a piece of your poetry with us? Mm -hmm. Read us, give us a poetry reading? Yes. In fact, we could do something really special. We, we were dreaming about earlier. Uh -huh. is uh, if you want to read one of your poems here, I'd be happy to play a little background music yes. and accompany you. And I'll open the book randomly. We'll see. So it'll be totally in the moment. I we'll op I'll open it randomly, and then we never rehearsed it. So we'll see. let's see what comes out of it. Okay, I love that. Okay. Stay tuned, everyone. Your silver hair offers gold. Silver, silver, silver hair. Now I see you everywhere. Now I do slow down on my walk. Sit down near you, listen and talk. Your trembling voice sends message clear. My point doesn't travel in noisy scream. Your aging signs, brown spots on the skin, shows me true beauty lies within your wrinkled skin on arms and face reminds me my life also runs its course in its own pace your giving heart taught me such true treasures are not in what i touch your wisdom acquired throughout your journey is meant to spare me some troubles surely 
Your silver hair offers life's gold. So why was I so oblivious and cold? What made me run, pass you, ignore? Teach me how to get through life's storms to peaceful shore. Sophia, it has been such a gift, an unexpected gift to have you on this podcast. And I know people listening have been so inspired by everything that you've shared. You just have this way of opening your heart and connecting in the present moment. And the way you express and share your story, it's just, it's absolutely inspiring. So thank you for being a guest here on the show. And I hope you'll consider coming back to inspire us more very soon in the future. Thank you very much for inviting me. I I actually uh, think, not think, I know you are my wish come true because I remember seeing you um, presenting on on Facebook and it must have been a thought that I would like to talk to you and meet you and here we are. (laughs) Thank you very much. Unexpected gifts, isn't it? I know, all around. (laughs) Where can uh, people get a copy of your book? Is it online? They can check my website, uh, www.zofia.com or through Amazon.com. Beautiful. Go check this book out of poetry that was inspired by the higher self, your higher self, Sophia's, all of our higher self. That's right. The collective. And uh, I know that as you read these poems, you will be reminded to connect back to nature and to gratitude. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, that does it for another episode of Let's Connect. I hope the words of Sophia Dove both in her writing and in the interview inspired you just as much as it inspired me and to just live from that place of infinity from love from joy from harmony i hope you have a wonderful week everyone and i look forward to you joining me next time on let's connect